This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? And his name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett, yes, CBS, yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense, and you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? <laughs> The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett. We're on the road this week. We're in Miami, beautiful Miami, at the historic Biltmore Hotel. More historic tidbits about the hotel later on in the show. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I've spent a lot of time in the last year and a half talking about how we cast and count votes in our country. As you know, I've written a book. I urge you to buy it called The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. Because there really is... When you break it all down, few things more important to understand, comprehend, and feel good about in this country. We do this very well. Despite all the criticism, despite all the noise, despite all of the manufactured rage, we do these two things, cast and count ballots, better than we've ever done them before. That is an American success story. I spend a lot of time talking about it because it is fundamental to our very current existence and our future. So we have two guests this week. One's a Democrat, one's a Republican. They share one thing in common for sure, many others, but one thing for sure. After the 2020 election, both of these individuals were subjected to threats. And I don't mean idle threats. And I don't mean passing threats that you could easily ignore or chalk up to one rageful person. No, they were subjected to systematic threats. Their family was threatened. Their spouses were threatened. Their very lives were jeopardized because of a manufactured falsehood. They saw that through, and they did not give up hope. That's a harder thing to do than you realize, ladies and gentlemen, a much harder thing to do than you realize. Because lots of people could see that difficult time through, but they would probably at some level give up hope or get cynical or get embittered. I know these two individuals pretty well. They didn't. So I'm honored to have them here at the table with me. One is Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State, Georgia, Republican. The other is Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of State, Michigan, Democrat. Brad, Jocelyn, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So... I want to ask both of you, and Brad, I want to start with you, and we'll get to the Georgia runoff in a second. I don't want to have to wade into all that necessarily, but just there was a lot of concern going into the midterm election. I think it was justifiable concern. Would there be violence? Would there be disinformation? Would there be people contesting the results? Would we see something worse than we saw in 2020? And it, by and large, did not happen. Your overall assessment of what happened in the midterms and what kind of message, not in the electoral results politically, but just in the procedural outcomes, what did that tell you? From the standpoint of process, we were tracking the individual precincts, and the average wait time for the precincts was 
two minutes in the afternoon. In Georgia? In Georgia. It's three minutes, and we all of a sudden hit two minutes. I screenshot both of those. And then we were also tracking the longest wait time in any precinct. And when I screenshot the two minutes, the longest wait time was 14 minutes at one particular precinct at that time. So the counties had done a tremendous job. So you look at that, and then we had record registrations, record turnout for this race. And then we are starting to post the results very quickly. We allowed counties to begin the pre-scanning process of any of the early votes and also, obviously, the absentee ballots. And that's why we were able to get our results up so quickly. And so there's never, quote, a perfect election from that standpoint, a flawless, but it was as close to flawless as you could possibly have in Georgia. So people were very comfortable with it. They saw the results posted quickly, and we had very short lines. So people had a great experience voting. You had enough poll workers. You had enough expertise. All the things that were feeling maybe under stress held up. Yep, all the stress. We had enough poll workers, and then we had a texting tool that we implemented for the very first time. So if you saw any threats at your particular precinct, the county election director or the precinct worker could then you know, basically text that in to our office and then also their county election office and loop in law enforcement. And, but we didn't have any of those situations. And that's what really, it was just really gratifying to see that, you know, that's why Georgia's rated number one in the country for kindness, because uh, we've came... <laughs> We, we showed that well. Secretary Benson, your assessment. Well, it's interesting hearing uh, my, my colleague's assessment because we really hear the importance of data in our work and professionalism and transparency, which I think any secretary of state, any election official really has to lean in on in these moments, really making data-driven decisions uh, and using data to promote transparency to give people rightly placed faith in the process. We similarly in Michigan had a very smooth election. Uh, similarly, had were in very close contact with all 5,000 precincts throughout the day to monitor any challenges and rapidly respond to them if they occurred. Uh, and by and large, making sure every citizen was equipped with the knowledge of how to exercise their options to vote, be they voting absentee or in person, making sure our poll workers were fully equipped with what to do throughout the process, and then making sure our counting boards were also protected and ready and, and doing all of that with transparency and professionalism, keeping partisanship out, outside the process, enabled us to also have a smooth election to the point where we have we certified our election on schedule uh, unanimously. And I'm really proud that in this moment, Michigan showed that people can come together across the aisle and run fair, smooth, efficient, transparent elections. Were you apprehensive going in? Oh, absolutely. I was apprehensive based on my experience in 2020, where we were um, unexpectedly met with a series of post-election challenges that were nationally coordinated efforts to undermine the will of the people in our state. And so we came into 2022 raring to go, ready, ready for anything, prepared for anything, with more partnerships than ever before. And that enabled us to really feel confident, yet also prepared in the wariness that comes from, from that, uh, that the potential for problems, we felt confident that we were ready, more ready than we were in 2020 to deal with anything and to right the ship and, and deliver to every voter in the state a smooth and secure election. Secretary Raffensberger, were you apprehensive going into election day? I felt really comfortable where we were with uh, the SB bill, S202 bill that we put into place, the Election Integrity Act of 2021, it was much maligned. Even President Biden came down to Georgia and disparaged it. But what it did is it just really had a lot of, you know, fail-safes and just good safeguards. Number one is we had photo ID for all forms of voting, photo ID for absentee voting. And I reminded everyone, this is what they've been doing in Minnesota for over 10 years now. And so there's other Midwestern states that are doing that. That shored up people's confidence by doing that because it had additional security measures. The absentee ballot process also went back to our historical numbers of about 7% versus the 25% we had in, in the COVID. And so we just didn't have the, we weren't waiting uh, after election day to continue to count absentee ballots because most of that work was done with the pre-scanning process. We then had record turnout during early voting. We had 17 days of early voting, mandatory early voting. And any county that wanted to have early voting could have it on Sundays. And so you could have up to 19 days of early voting. So we really had tremendous opportunities to vote in Georgia, record turnout, and everything was going smooth, the entire you know early voting process and election day process. Mr. Secretary, you mentioned the law and you mentioned President Biden's speech. He wasn't alone. There was a tremendous backlash, some of it coordinated, to criticize that law. Atlanta lost a Major League Baseball All-Star game over it. I think I know the answer to this question, but do you believe the voting experience 
vindicates the law and ought to put those who criticize it so harshly in sort of a um, parental timeout, if you will. We can only hope it puts them into a timeout, but very sensible, you know, people that looked at the law, what it did, reported, and they really kind of went against the countervailing liberal position that it was a bad bill and said, this isn't going to do much. But what we knew, it was going to shore up the confidence in the absentee ballot process. And we also made sure that we had an additional day of early voting. And you look at how the election ran, we had record turnout. And record turnout tells you that anyone that wanted to vote could vote. And they came out to the polls and, you know, we really worked hard with the counties to make sure the lines were shorter than one hour. And that is probably the number one thing that voters care about is short. They don't like long lines. And we really pushed the counties. We worked with the counties to make sure they had the precinct right size, the number of voters, the number of machines, so that they can push those people, have those people move through the lines quickly. That is the voice of Brad Raffensperger. He's a Republican Secretary of State of Georgia. Jocelyn Benson, Democratic Secretary of State of the great state of Michigan. Georgia's also a great state. Come on, I'm I'm not shortchanging the two. Uh, They're both joining me here at Fontana Restaurant, here in the patio of the beautiful Biltmore Hotel in Miami. I'll tell you why we're here when we come back. Segment two of The Takeout in just one minute. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. So why are we in Miami? Well, as you well know, ladies and gentlemen who love the show, there are so many of you. I have convening authority, but sometimes I lean on other convening authorities. In this case, I'm leaning very considerably on the Knight Foundation, which has invited a lot of people who are thought leaders in the space of democracy, disinformation, and the like to Miami for the Knight Foundation Informed Conference. We're all here. Many others are, but the two people I wanted to sit down most with are Brad Raffensperger and Jocelyn Benson. That's why we're here. As I said, we're at the Biltmore Hotel, built in the mid-1920s. Among the people who used to hang out here with some frequency, Judy Garland and Bing Crosby. Little notes on the Biltmore Hotel. So, Jocelyn, Madam Secretary, if you will, um, there is a sense, and I wonder if you have thoughts on it, that, oh, okay, the 2022 election went great, a lot of denialists lost, all problems solved. Oh, true, no, not true. Not, not at all. I mean, this is the midway point. This was the round two in what is a multi-year effort, I believe, battle uh, over the future of our democracy. What 2022 showed is two things. One, that voters are willing to step up and fight for their democracy and, and, and vote accordingly when they understand their rights and the freedoms that are on the ballot and will be determined by an election. And two, uh, it also showed that we will have more people in 2024 on the field, so to speak, defending our democracy, more secretaries of state who now will professionally, but also potentially aggressively defend the results of the election. Uh, And that puts us in a strong position to battle any defense of democracy that we have to engage in in 2024, knowing that what we overcame in 2020 may have just been the beginning of uh, tactics and strategies to impact um, or potentially dismantle democracy in our country. Secretary Raffensperger, your thoughts on that? Problem solved? Everything over? All good? You can relax or no? Well, I think my big takeaway is candidate quality really matters. And I think serious times require serious candidates. And so I think... um, in 2024, uh, I, hopefully there'll be a, a, a stronger look for candidates 
that uh, really speak to the true issues that voters are facing. And if I hear you correctly, what you're saying is in regards to the 2020 election, denialism is non-serious. Well, we've If you cling to that, you are a non-serious person masquerading as a serious person. Well, we've shown in Georgia that uh, we had the right results in 2020 and 2022. And in 2022, they're easier for my party to accept than they were in 2020. But same Doesn't machines. Doesn't make them any less correct. Exactly. Same machines, right. you know, and just different results, you know, different time. But at the end of the day, we had honest and fair elections in both times. And so people have to be honest with themselves and they have to be looking for people that can really deal with people's issues. Also, when you run statewide, you have to have a message that really is a bit more broad-based. And what I showed in my victory this past year is that I have a broad-based coalition. And that's really how you win going forward in the state of Georgia. I don't want to skip over that part because Brad Raffensperger was challenged in his Republican primary by a full-throated election denier, Jody Heiss, who's a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. You won. How did you win? Because I went out and I talked to people. I went all over the state of Georgia, started out talking to Rotary and Kiwanis and business chambers, but then I talked to Tea Party groups, county Republican groups, and I said, here's what the facts are of 2020, here's what the facts are of the Election Integrity Act of 2021, and then I just took questions from voters, from the people that were there, and I just gave them the answers. They didn't, doesn't mean that they liked the answers. Uh, didn't mean that they accepted the answers, mm-hmm. but I did talk to everyone. I think people needed to say that, you know, here's what happened, and they need to hear that from me, and that's what I did. And is that, do you believe, Secretary Raffensperger, the playbook in the denialist space? Go people, go to see people, take their questions, give them answers, and do it relentlessly. Yeah, I think it comes down to moral courage. If you're not going to have the moral courage and not state your beliefs then you're not going to be successful. You have to be able to face the brutal truth. And the brutal truth is that we have honest and fair elections in the state of Georgia. The brutal truth is we have honest and fair elections in the United States of America. And Jocelyn, Secretary Benson, um, when you look at the denialist space and the disinformation and the money and the Mm. visibility that comes with it, do you believe that's crested? Hmm. No. Or is it still gaining some kind of momentum? We just can't. We didn't. We didn't see it the way that some people thought we might, and were fearful we might in the 2022 election results. Well, I think we have to um, one always remember that on the side of of pro democracy uh, candidates is the truth, is the law, is and and as 2020 showed, the vast majority of American people. Uh, that's really powerful. Uh, but it's not always enough when you have others uh, winning elections at local communities, at uh, county level, at state level, and other states who still aren't telling the truth and accepting the truth about an election that happened uh, in 2020 and may not do the same in 2024. Uh, so I think, you know, we have the strongest antidotes dealing with that. And we've shown now in 2022 and in 2020 with people who are willing to speak the truth, take on their own party deal with the the challenges that come with that courageously and with integrity uh, at their core, we can protect democracy against bad actors who will try to dismantle it. But there are still bad actors who have very powerful positions in our political ecosystem, and they have shown no signs of, of shifting their strategy, even though election denialism has been revealed in 2022 to be a losing strategy. So one thing I want the audience to understand is um, if you're a secretary of state, you oversee and implement the laws of your state. Jocelyn, you have the laws of Michigan. Brad, you have the laws of Georgia. I don't know, Jocelyn, if you're a friend or of the law in Georgia, you thought it was great or bad. But that's Brad's business. That's Georgia's business. And it's Michigan's business. And it's the business of the counties and the municipalities that you oversee to implement the laws as your state and your legislature has drafted them. It's one of the things I think people fail to grasp is that this is a deeply localized, state-supervised process. Mm -hmm. And if you have grievances, you are essentially offloading your grievances first and foremost on your neighbors because those are the people who are the frontline administrators of your elections, and then your state. You're basically denouncing your locality and your state. Right? Right? Well... 
it's a decentralized approach, and that's the it's strength. It's one of the most decentralized and that things is the, we do and that is that's the complicated of, in this country. And that's the strength of the system. It gets down to your local election official, your local poll workers. They're doing the hard work, and they report those results up to the county, from the county to the state level. And that's pretty much uniform across the country. But, like, I comment and I talk about Georgia's laws. I don't talk about other states because every state does things a little bit differently. Right. We are similar but different to some of our adjoining states. But they do things different on the West Coast. They do things different. And just like I'm sure in the Midwest, they're similar but different to other states. I will add, however, I think, you know, laws aside, and I say this as, as someone who started my career as an election law policy advisor, advocate, and attorney, the people are really what matter most in the system meaning that the people in making sure you have people of integrity on both sides of the aisle working as poll workers, working as clerks at the local level, working at the state level as well, that is really what will make or break the system. I think that's what we saw in 2020 and what we battled over in 2022. Uh, To me, what I have learned abundantly in this role is that democracy prevails when people of integrity on both sides of the aisle come together to make sure that it does. The laws can grow from that and reflect that. But one thing I think we need to have in common among all states are people of integrity at every level of the process, maintaining our democracy with truth and the law on their side. Truth and the law on their side. And Brad, I want to give you a second. And Jocelyn, on this other side of the break, I want to give you a chance. But just talk about, Brad, in your state, in Georgia, the people that you come in contact who work the elections at the local level. Each county election directors that we work with, and they just did great work. Uh, we did have a few counties. This is not a thing you do for power or fame. No, no. And when you think about the hours that they put in, uh, particularly if you have a runoff like we have in Georgia, the additional hours that they're putting in. Uh, and like I said, we had almost a, a, a flawless election, but there were a few issues in a few counties. But I made sure that everyone understood that w- if that county election director had an issue, they dealt with it. They accepted responsibility for it. They didn't try and push it off on our office or anyone else. They accepted it. And then they said, this is the remedy. We're going to next day air you know, these applications out. We're going to next day air these ballots out. They're going to make sure that people's franchise to vote is, you know, is not hurt, not impacted. And so I, I say that the county's election directors really work hard. And we know that some may be on the left, some may be on the right. Some are right down the middle, but they don't bring that into what their operation is. Their job is to make sure you have an honest and fair elections. Indeed, that is the voice of Brad Raffensberg, Republican Secretary of State of Georgia. Jocelyn Benson, Democratic Secretary of State of Michigan, is also with us. Back for segment three of the takeout in just one moment. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Every day our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Uh, Our appetizers have arrived. They look lovely (laughs) here at the Fontana Restaurant, the Biltmore Hotel in Miami. Brad Raffensperger, Jocelyn Benson are my guests. Uh, Secretary Benson, a word on behalf of your local or county election officials. Oh, I, I think they have risen to meet the moment at a time when... Everyone has shared with me such really disappointing stories of the ways in which they've been harassed 
with duplicate uh, incessant document requests or requests that they sit and review every single ballot that was cast in the 2020 election and uh, receiving threatening phone calls and the like if they if they don't comply quickly with every every request for information. So um, so I would say our the real heroes of our of our democratic process have been those local election workers who have been on the front lines of enduring so many trials and tribulations since 2020 as a result solely of lies and misinformation, um, but who have risen to the occasion and worked with partners all across the country, uh, including the the Center for Election Integrity and and Research uh, and other organizations that have provided needed support for their their work. And so yet they persist, they prevail. And the fact that we had a smooth election in Michigan underscores that. Speaking of threats, what did you experience after 2020, Secretary Benson? A daily deluge of of everywhere I went, everywhere I looked, uh, people who had been mobilized through lies and misinformation, um, trying to act on that, leading to you know one of the, the the most infamous moments, which was one of many, when people showed up outside my home in the dark of night in December of 2020, demanding that I block certification or overturn the election results. And I had a moment in in that time where I was working to keep my child safe and worried that at any moment a stray bullet could come through the house. And um, for nearly an hour, all that stood between us were uh, uh, the protesters in my home were was one neighborhood security guard. Uh, yet I had a moment in the middle of it where I thought they're not protesting me; they're protesting the will of the people. They're protesting democracy. They're protesting the results of a fair and free election. And I will proudly, boldly stand in defense of those results every day of the week, no matter who comes to my doorstep to demand otherwise. How long did that last? The threats. Uh, it still is going. I mean, it, it ebbs and flows. Oftentimes when the former president speaks or, or, or says something or levies an accusation, there's an uptick. Uh, and so even throughout this past election cycle, when President Trump came to Michigan uh, to campaign for candidates, there was a visible uptick in the rhetoric, the hateful threats, um, people showing up at my office, uh, sometimes lone wolf, sometimes in groups. And, uh, and it created a heightened near constant state of anxiety, which is an unfortunate norm of the work that we do. But my devotion and dedication to the work that I do in, in protecting the voice of every voter uh, far outweighs uh, the challenges that that invites, even in moments like these. You sound very strong, but I have to believe it has taken some toll. Absolutely. It's exhausting. Um, and it's exhausting because I have so much faith and knowledge that our elections are secure. And that's the heartbreaking part of it, that this is, these are protests rooted in lies and, and mobilized by misinformation. And it's, it's sad because I will work every day to make sure that our elections are safe and secure and accessible to all and that people can have rightly placed faith in the results. Uh, and it is very sad when you hit a wall, uh, even in partnership with Republican partners in the field trying to spread the truth uh, that you just can't permeate and when that wall then comes back at you in the in in hateful threats and accusations against you your kid your family it it is it makes it challenging Um, but as a marathoner you just learn to embrace the challenge and use it to make you stronger and that's really what we've done what I've done as an individual as a leader but what our process has 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 done as well we've become stronger as a result our elections are stronger as a result and I'm really proud of that resilience that we've shown Secretary Benson just made reference to marathoner let me uh, add some detail 23 marathons one of them the Boston Marathon while she was eight months pregnant ladies and gentlemen Massively impressive. <laughs> Secretary Raffensperger, you have experience, sadly, in this space also. Relate yes, that to do. my audience. Yeah. What happened? Well, we had uh, people come by the house. Um, Your house? Yeah, our house. Then uh, uh, also uh, someone broke into our daughter-in-law's house when she wasn't there. Um, but it was those type of things. And then it, it did taper off uh, after, you know, the... But not off. just you, your wife. Oh, wife, daughter-in-law. You know, that's really the, the security. And then all the, you know, I guess you'd say uh, sexualized text, really, that my wife, Trisha, got. Uh, and then I just got more of, you know, the, the death threats uh, straight up. But th- that kind of then tapered off after the runoff. Yeah, but there was still stuff that would pop up, like I think one was Palm Sunday or like Easter Sunday, and people praying for us in the name of Jesus, you know, and... You know, which flies in the face of the gospel, but uh, 
bit by bit. Praying for your death. Pray, praying for our death, yes. Yeah, in the name of Jesus, you know. Okay, then. Yeah, and so I, that's, obviously that's, as a Christian, you know that... No, that, that, yeah. that, that, that doesn't add that's, up. That's just not, that's not Christ's message. No. Um, but, we, but, you know, we've been able to work through that, and by and large, it, it's quieted down in Georgia, and we just kept on doing things, you know, just doing our work. Uh, we're very fortunate compared to what I saw happen in, in Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada. That was still going on, you know, two years after the 2020 uh, election. Uh, I don't know about Pennsylvania. They had a new secretary of state, but, but you just saw, heard and saw stuff. So I'm really grateful that in Georgia it, it tended to taper off. But uh, during that time post-election, uh, the, the anger, the vitriol, it was coming from people from all over the all over the country. So when sometimes right, not just George. Oh yeah, well, yes. And you know, I know where they are. And so when you drive through these places, you're looking around. Gee, I wonder if the guy that sent that Meaning text. Meaning when you're in another state, oh, you're yeah. part of America. Yeah, you're wondering. You, yeah, yeah. You 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 have situational awareness. What a yeah, football coach would say, head on a swivel. Yeah, all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Now you you say that with a lilt in your voice, but I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Secretary Benson. It has to take a toll. You can't no, you can't uh, look at that and not have it impact you at some level, right? Uh, you try not to let your guard down. Right. But don't you absorb it at an emotional level in some way and say, "Could this be America?" Well, that is. Um, if you if you see the worst, it could really get you down. But I try to always see the best because that's who I work for. Mm-hmm. The voters. The voters. And the, the election administrators the and one, the like. And, and, yes. And I don't want to trivialize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we're called for times such as these to stand, to stand on the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we swore an oath four years ago uh, that got this job. We didn't know where, uh, you know, what Signing was going to happen. We specific. didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Obviously, none of us did. But our job was to follow the law and follow the Constitution. And... I wrote an essay about that when I was in the state house about the rule of law, and that's almost like a theoretical, like a good law professor would would have your her students write, uh, but we lived it, and we understand the importance of the rule of law. This is a nation of laws, and our job is to make sure we follow the law. Secretary Benson, I know you've given this a lot of thought. What is the source of the energy hmm. behind this anger and this rage? Hmm. I, from what I can tell, it's a feeling that something's been taken from you. Um, something has been stolen from you. That's what they've been told by people they trust, people they support, people who they believe are fighting for them. And it's really disheartening because you want to, you see people who've been misled and lied to by people they've, they've trusted and, and have that anger generated as a result of it. Um, and it's hard to come back at that with facts and figures because it's an emotional thing that people are feeling that something has been taken from them um but that's what we can do in fact in my second term one of the things i'm really excited to do frankly is go around michigan go to the communities where i know people have been fed misinformation deeply and sit down with people who may wish ill on me and talk with them about what they're hearing what they're feeling in an effort to rebuild that trust with you know partners in the community as well in the hope that that is a way to break through some of the ways in which people have been fooled and misled but as my colleague Al Schmidt often says it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to fool someone than yeah. yeah then it's a lot easier to fool someone than convince them they've been fooled and that's uh, really what we're dealing with the uh, very familiar phrase in politics that it's easier to fool someone than to convince them or persuade them that they have been fooled uh, that's sort of the space that we are finding ourselves in found ourselves in and will continue to do so. My guests, Brad Raffensberger, Republican Secretary of State of Georgia, and Jocelyn Benson, Democratic Secretary of State of Michigan. Stay tuned for segment four of the takeout from the beautiful Biltmore Hotel in Miami in just one second. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Brad Raffensperger, Jocelyn Benson, I've introduced them enough. They're our special guests. Secretary Raffensperger, is there a single source of this dark energy of denialism? I think if we're honest where we are in this country, that people at this end and at this end both feel like they're falling behind and they're not moving ahead. And that just creates, you know, consternation and it really lends themselves to listening to people that are saying this other side, this is, and it's grievance politics. Um, and so when we work on, you know, improving everyone's economic lifeboat, uh, then this will dissipate. But right now we're going through some very challenging seas and people are stressed here and here. And when these people over here realize that the, their, their group, their leaders, so-called leaders, are not giving them the truth, and these people realize that and throw them both off the boat and they start working together, then that's really when we can start moving together. And so the Sacred Center is really where you're going to see the greatest movement of really moving this country forward. Sacred Center, I call it the exhausted majority of our country. Um, but uh, let me get more specific. Um, do you believe former President Trump is the person without whom much of this would not have occurred, meaning the ferocity of denialism post-2020? Well, President Trump, when he lost the election, um, he didn't just concede defeat. Then he really said that, you know, there was all this voter fraud. And meanwhile, I know in Georgia, we, we counted the ballots. We counted he called them. you about it. He did. And we had to explain famously, to him, and I had to explain to him that we infamously, re- yeah, we had to, and we recounted those ballots twice. We got the same results. We just did an audit of our 2020 midterm, and we recounted actually my race, and we found I actually got 20 more votes through the audit process. But it was virtually the same in most of the counties. But which just shows that the machines did not flip the votes. We have accurate and honest elections in Georgia, and we've been working hard to make sure we had that for years now. He did feed this, though, at a very significant level. That is an unmistakable fact. True? People wanted to believe, and they leaned into it, and they never checked out the facts. I've been a a solid conservative Republican since day one. All my life. And I want to make sure that we are going to have honest and fair elections, because I swear an oath to the Constitution. So the the sense of duty to your Constitution, that, that, that supersedes any, you know, leaning towards trying to help your other. You can't put your thumb on the scale. You have to win the election on your own merits. We just had our midterms, you know, and every, virtually every Republican won. We have another one that's in a runoff. We can talk about that if we have time. But the point is, we have honest and fair elections, and that's what I told President Trump. I always let the audience know the date on which we are recording this, November 28th. You have a runoff coming up. Um, on this date, November 28th, uh, a good and able colleague of yours, Gabe Sterling, just momentarily tweeted a moment ago, rather, that on this day, again, November 28th, early in-person voting may set a record in Georgia for this runoff. How prepared are you and what kind of turnout are you expecting? We prepare the counties for record turnout. We did a month ago, and we have prepared them for big numbers. In fact, four years ago on this date, I was in a runoff for Secretary of State because I didn't hit the magic number of 50 plus one. And so I know the process. It's turning out your people, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, is getting your people out back out to the polls. And <clears throat> there was a bit of a dispute over Saturday voting, the Saturday right after Thanksgiving. Did you have an opinion on that? Yeah, we thought that the election law was unclear and we it was said that you couldn't have a, a, a voting the day after a holiday the state holiday was on a friday uh, so we just said that's where you know the reading from the attorney generals came from and so we said this is what it finally ended up being so that went to court and it went to the supreme court and of, they came of georgia of georgia and they came down with their decision unanimously and, uh, unanimously and we follow the law and that's why we had saturday voting and then counties could have sunday voting and many of them chose to have sunday voting and that was a, a decision left up to the county, so it was not yes, mandatory. Correct. Do you believe that in any way 
uh, created confusion. Well, it does, and that's why we said the General Assembly, uh, what is your will? But next session, if you want something more definitive, it needs to be really clear on exactly what you want. Um, our reading was this way. The other side's reading was the other way. And the judge came down with his ruling and probably from the standpoint of making sure we had a smooth and orderly election. So next session, General Assembly can pick it up if they want to. And make clear that exactly in a runoff context, otherwise it's staying it's as be, it. It's going to be there because yeah. the runoff, you have another runoff, it's going to be right up against Thanksgiving, yeah. probably ought to be clarified. Yeah, exactly. Did you have any opinion as you were watching this play out in Georgia, yeah. Madam Secretary? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe... Do you make? I would say two things. I believe you make decisions in light of, of what's best for voters. It's an operational hotel, people. <laughs> people is, are moving things around. That's around. the sound you hear, ladies um, and gentlemen. The Biltmore fully operational. But you also oftentimes are met with because election laws are developed by partisan legislatures in different times and different eras, with a combination of laws that when they are combined, as what I think was the case here, it creates confusion. Uh, the patchwork, the qu the quilt of, of election laws, oftentimes leads to in and this was an example confusion over the interpretation of a law. And so you can have well-meaning people differ on that interpretation, but it really speaks to the need, I think, in, in for state legislatures to have a more comprehensive view of developing election laws and policies. And that's something that I'm looking forward to helping our state legislature develop uh, in this session, because that, again, that patchwork quilt of, of election laws oftentimes leads to these challenges. I want to ask the both of you a question. It's my impression that in the rhetorical cacophony, not around denialism, but around election procedures, fraud and suppression are overused that there's not nearly as much fraud as alleged and there's not as much suppression as is alleged. Brad, I like your thoughts. I agree because you have to understand when I took office, I already had nine lawsuits from Stacey Abrams and all of her ally groups based on her myth of voter suppression. Meanwhile, she had just lost by 55,000 votes with record turnout, record voter registrations. Uh, she had ran, you know, that you know, narrative for several years. I wrote in National Review why it was not supported by the facts. And then when we finally got to the court, we won on every single count. And she decided that she wasn't going to appeal it. She folded a tent and went home because she knew we had facts on her side. But it was very destructive to our society. And then if you go to 2020, you got it from the other side, destructive to our society. When people run, they need to understand there's going to be a winner and a loser and you're going to have a fair and honest election. And you need to accept it. And if you lose, go out, shake their hand, and then walk off the field. Fraud and suppression overused, Madam Secretary? I think the root is just data and facts and evidence. Is there evidence of fraud? If so, then enforce the law and hold the bad actors accountable. Are there, is there evidence of suppression? If so, then enforce the law and hold the bad actors accountable. On both fronts, we need to allow evidence and facts to drive the discussion as opposed to hyperbole. Right. And not every change in every election law is suppressive. Oh, correct. Yes. I think that does have to be viewed oftentimes through the lens of and history. And not every minor mistake is evidence of fraud. Right. Yeah, certainly. Um, but, but the evidence is the key. That's the core that we need to focus on. And, and I think any professional election administrator will tell you, um, and this is the mark of truly nonpartisan election administration, when you follow the facts and the evidence and the law and ensure that you're making voter-centric decisions and protecting the integrity of the process. All of that can be done at once if you just root your decision-making in data and facts and not in hyperbole. The voice of Jocelyn Benson, the Democratic Secretary of State of Michigan. My other guest, Brad Raffensperger, Republican Secretary of State of Georgia. We are going to bid you farewell from a slightly noisy Biltmore Hotel here in Miami. For our radio audience, we need to say farewell. For those on our podcast platforms and CBS News streaming, stay tuned as you always do for the Takeout Outtake Especial. See you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome to your Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett. We are in the beautiful patio of the Biltmore Hotel in Miami. Miami, Florida, not the other Miami. I don't even know if there's another Miami. Ohio. There, I, yeah, there, yeah, there's Miami, Ohio. <laughs> there's a Miami in Texas. Believe me, I know it. I've been there. Um, Brad Raffensperger, Republican Secretary of State of Georgia, is with us. So is Jocelyn Benson, Democratic Secretary of State of the great state of Michigan. Uh, so we've had a lot of stuff about elections, and I, you know I'm devoted to this, ladies and gentlemen. I care about it deeply, but we're going to lighten it up a little bit because this is the fun and games part of the program. So three questions we've asked every guest. We're in our sixth year of this August program known as the takeout and every single one almost every single one of our guests has gotten these questions and fielded them with joy I would say so take them in whatever order I give them whichever order you prefer most influential book in your life all-time favorite movie and if you're on a long flight or a long drive what kind of music are you most likely to listen to because you love it so much Brad Raffensperger long drive country and western old or new new okay so, so I would say if that if country were my answer, I would say Hank Williams and Johnny Cash and George Jones, Luke Bryant, Eric Church. Okay, there you go. All right. Okay. So you not you and I would not we'd be sort of be rotating the dial. We'd be we'd You're dating be, yourself. Yeah, we, what can I say? I do it all the time. Yes. Go ahead. Movie. There's so many good ones, but mm-hmm. I'll take uh, Silverado. Why? The good guys win. <laughs> And most influential book in your life and why? Most influential book. That's a good one because I read so much. And so I've just been reading a lot recently. Um, I'd say one of Eric Hoffer's. Uh, probably uh, True Believer, mm-hmm. uh, The Ordeal of Change. Excellent. Madam Secretary. Uh, favorite movie is Field of Dreams. Because, because it's about baseball and faith in things unseen mm-hmm. and hope and dreams and all of that. And, and, and you've got this little girl at the center of it. It's, a, yeah, it's, all, it's all beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, music is uh, on a long trip will be musicals, um, but not just any. Not like Sunday in the Park with George, but like Les Miserables, mm-hmm. Moulin Rouge, Hamilton. Meaningful storytelling through music that inspires me. And my most influential book has got to be, it's called The Last Campaign by Thurston Clark. Mm-hmm. It's about the 82 days of, the, of Bobby Kennedy's presidential campaign and starts with the question of, of how these 82 days captured America's dreams and hopes and what he did as a courageous candidate to speak truth to power and really challenge the hierarchies that, that had long been accepted and, and, and why he was able to do that and ends with a, a call to action for future leaders to carry on his charge and uh, with a kind of guide on how to do so. And it really inspired me to run again after I lost my first race because I thought if I stay in this arena, I want to be like that. I want to run that type of campaign. I want to be that type of leader. And that's really carried me through this time as Michigan Secretary of State. I want to ask both of you um, because there's an assumption that if you're a Secretary of State, you're a partisan. And there's been a kind of a sidecar conversation. Well, we shouldn't have partisans overseeing elections. Well, we're not going to get to a... I mean, but do you regard yourself in your professional capacity as Secretary of State as partisans? Brad? If the Secretary of State's office is done right as it relates to elections, it should be a nonpartisan position. It is. We're looking to make sure we have honest and fair elections. But we also oversee corporations professional licensing, securities, charities, yes, right. and I'm even chair of the Georgia Boxing Commission. So, oh, lucky uh, you. So, uh, so we get it all. When the General Assembly doesn't know where to put some things, we've got that one. But, uh, and that, yeah, I just want to make sure we have a pro-business in- environment. Uh, and I, as a small business owner, that's, uh, I lean into, what can I do to help a small business owner or a licensed professional? 
Secretary Benson. Yeah, I mean, we're professionals before we're politicians. In fact, for the most of us and for the best, we are simply just professionals and not politicians. And that means not being partisan. Uh, it means making voter-centric decisions. It means rising above uh, the, the noise of the arena that we're in. What I tell my staff always, and I build intentionally a very non-political, professional, smart staff, uh, is that we are in this political arena, but we are not of it. And we must see ourselves as the referees uh, from both sides uh, and, and not, uh, not get caught up in fighting the battles that others are, are charged to fight. Our job is simply just to run the agency well, and we've done that. I also oversee the DMV, which makes me very popular. <laughs> uh, and, but we have, you know, in that way, have, have really actually transformed the DMV to show that government can make data-driven decisions that work for everyone. And so I really relished that role. Uh, it's uh, of just being a professional and doing the job right, running an agency well. And, um, and it sometimes dismays me to see other colleagues across the country choosing to be politicians before professionals. And my hope is that voters will keep choosing professionals to be as secretaries of state. That is the voice of Jocelyn Benson. Brad Raffensberger has been with us also. I'm Major Garrett. We've been here at the Biltmore Hotel. Our thanks to Fontana Restaurant and all the Biltmore staff. They were a little loud for segment four. I hope you rolled with that. Always a pleasure to have you with us. We'll see you next week. I'm Major Garrett. Thanks. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Divya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.